Hi guys, welcome to Wisdom Wednesday. I'm Judy. And I'm Joey. And we hope you enjoy this session with Pastor Sean and Erica Moore and me and Judy as we talk about parenting, marriage, and dating. To, um, you know, not necessarily rush right into it. I, I know some people have asked like, is it okay to go on online dating or mm. this and that? I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with those That's things. Right. I just think right now while you're waiting, um, invest in you because you're worth it. And when you become your best self, you don't need the other person to um, make you complete. Then it's, it's too complete individuals giving 100% instead of like, I need that other half um, because otherwise I'm not whole without them. That's good. That's so good. I would say amen to everything you said. And um, I would also say, you know, marriage is supposed to mirror our relationship with God. So um, the more surrendered we can become with God, the easier it is to surrender in a marriage. So I would say, learn how to respond to God's voice, listen to him. Um, There were certain things when I was single, it was really funny. Um, I felt like the Lord was almost running me through drills before I started dating my husband. And like, for instance, he'd wake me up at like three in the morning and and I'd be like, God, uh, can I pray at 3 p.m.? Like, what's up with this 3 a.m. stuff? And he'd be like, okay, well, if your baby was crying at 3 a.m. and needed food, you wouldn't feed the baby? And I was like, I'm single. Or he'd wake me up at five and I'd be like, okay, I like afternoon hours. Like, what, what is this? I have afternoon classes. Like, why? And he'd say, well, if your hubby has an early job and needs you to make breakfast at 5 a.m., you're not going to do it? And I'd be like, God, what? And so I feel like he was helping me to practice surrender, like practice doing what I'm when you don't want to do it even when you don't necessarily understand and the more yielded I can be as a daughter of God and the more sensitive I can be and more understanding I can be what my king my heavenly king is requesting then that's going to help me when I'm in a relationship with my spouse because I've been practicing surrender or the bad word that Christians don't like to say submission uh, when I was single, I can totally do this when I'm married. I don't know. Can you guys still hear us? Because it looks like they're not hearing us. Oh, it's frozen. Oh. Are there mute? Yes, we, we can, can hear you. Heard you. We can hear you. Oh, that was so oh. good. Okay. <laughs> I was like... We're restarting the face uh, the Facebook Live for some reason. Um, it, we got a text right now saying that it paused. So we're resending it to Facebook right now. Okay. And then, yeah, I would just say, yeah, prepare yourself to be the best you you can possibly be. The other, there are some books that me and my hubby read, has read on marriage that I'm like, dude, everybody needs to read these books, in my opinion. Like, I wish I had read them when I was single. So there's one called If Only He Knew, Written to Men by um, Gary Smalley. And then there's one called um, For Better or Best by Gary Smalley, Written okay. to Wives to Help Them Understand Their Husbands. When you're single, go ahead and dip into that stuff early. But I love what you said, Pastor Judy. The focus should be, what is God saying to me? How can I be the best person, first of all, just for him and me? And when we do that, that helps us to just be ready in general. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. We're frozen. Can you hear us? Yes. (laughs) I'm like, okay, awesome. I was like, it froze for a moment. Um, 
but is it is it yep, on there again? Yep. Okay. There we go. Do we go back and reshare? No, we're good. We're good. Okay. Um, that's so good. I hope you guys took notes on those. Um, really great wisdom from Pastor Erica right now. Um, you know, enjoy that time right now. Um, it, enjoy, enjoy just being you and Jesus and not that marriage is not a blessing. And I know that it could probably be a little extra difficult for anyone that probably lives alone. Yeah. And especially during this quarantine time, but just know that like God doesn't waste any moment or no. season of your life that you're in. He sure does. Um, I'll, I'll jump right into our next question. This is for both couples. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from Pastor Moore is, your testimony is someone's prophecy. Can you share an example of God's healing in your life or someone close to you? That's so good. Uh, you know, it, my from my, my life personally, uh, I really have experienced the uh, third John too. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Mm. So I've been very fortunate to have a very clean bill of health really my whole entire life. And uh, outside of, you know, a few headaches and aches and pains here and there, uh, where I've used my faith, you know, to believe for uh, healing when it comes to headaches. Uh, one, of, one of the things that I was healed of supernaturally years ago um, this goes all the way back. To, I don't know if people remember Tim's story many years oh, ago, yeah. but he was at our church a long time ago uh, when I was uh, attending the church in Michigan. I was on staff there and he brought me up on stage, laid hands on me. And uh, just through word of knowledge, he said, uh, God right now is healing you of allergies. And that was probably, uh, I'm, I'm going to say 20, 23 years ago. And I used to have allergies real bad, and I really haven't had them had them since then. Uh, so that was uh, definitely a testimony in my in my own life. And then one story that, that comes to mind is when I was a youth pastor. Uh, my good friend of mine, he was he was with me at, at youth camp, and uh, there was a young lady who could not walk on her foot. She had hurt her ankle uh, during some of our competitive games. Was on crutches and could not put any pressure on on that foot without uh, it, it causing excruciating pain. So uh, she, when my, my friend saw her, a uh, friend of mine, uh, Francisco Vegas saw her, he, uh, he you know, just kind of asked her, like, what's going on? And she explained to him, she explained, she explained to him that um, my, I haven't been able to walk on my ankle. I could put any, can't put any pressure on it. So he started to pray for her, and um, we removed, removed the crutches away. He had a towel in his hand. He tossed her the towel. She caught it, and when she caught it, she immediately started running in place uh, and was totally and completely healed right there on the spot. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we, we went crazy. That's uh, Holy we, Ghost dance worthy. Hey, <laughs> come on. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. Woo. So that's, that's one of those stories that uh, always gets me fired up because it just reminds me of in the scripture when it talks about Jesus, you know, grabbed the man uh, when, when Peter and John, uh, uh, when, when uh, the man by the gate beautiful looking on Peter and John, uh, expecting to receive something from him. And Peter John's, Peter John said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. And in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And they took that man by his hand. And when, he, when they pulled him up, all of a sudden, his feet and ankle bones received strength. And that, that, that man leaped into the temple from that moment. So it just reminds me of that yeah. story every time I think about it. it just I love that. Up. I love that. That's so good. Yeah, love you it. know, um, the other thing, I, I, I always think about this is, a lot of people may not know this. I shared a little bit in school ministry, but... But man, um, people that say, hey, I've had a, I have a spouse that's very angry or very, um, you know, just has rage. Believe it or not, I mean, most people are like, oh, you're nice, you're kind. And I used to have the worst anger. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I punch holes in the wall. 
like, man, praise God that Judy stayed with me through those early ages, stages in our life when we were younger and, and I didn't have that under control. And so somebody that was seeing that, you know, I've been delivered of it. I've, I've been experienced that transformation. And so when somebody tells me, Hey, this person feels that way, or somebody shares it with me, I know that I can tell them, Hey, guess what? I've went through it. God's brought me through it. It's that ignite that ignites their faith because if they've seen it done before, that means God is, can do it again. And yeah. I like to pray that prayer. God, if you did it for me, you could do it for them. Yeah. And sure. that's kind of something I like to hold on to. And there's things in our lives that we can apply that to. Um, and we tell people all the time that have been healed of cancer. Hey, if you've been healed of cancer, you don't need me as a pastor to go and pray. You have kingship in that uh-huh. arena. Yeah. Go and you pray and lay hands on them. Their, your anointing is on you because your experience has broken through. Absolutely. And yeah. so if you're listening, that's something to, to think about. If you've experienced breakthrough, you're the most um, important person to pray for them because you have kingship in that area. Yeah, so absolutely. I think there's so many um, uh, things uh, that I can share on this, but to keep yeah. it brief, uh, different um, healing testimonies that I've had, like uh, I almost lost my life when I had my daughter and yeah. I think overcoming that and different like uh, female reproductive issues or um, saying I was told I wasn't ever going to have kids after her, mm. things like that. Like being able to share that testimony with other people definitely helps bring encouragement. And I can see how it ties into that. Uh, what you said, uh, pastor Sean, like your testimony, yeah. is someone else's prophecy. And, um, I constantly feel like I, mm. I remind people like, like someone needs your victory. Like someone is waiting for you to cross the finish line. Someone is waiting for you to finish. It's not just about you. Someone needs your victory. Um, mm. and, and even even now too, like, especially marriage, like God has, um, healed and restored so many things in our marriage. And a lot of people will come and confide in us for, for things like that, just for prayer or anything like, or they can feel like, I don't, I don't know who else to go to, but God told me to go to you guys. And we carry that compassion and that sympathy to, to pray for their marriage because we know what God brought us out of. Yeah. Did you guys, did you guys come to Christ? Uh, did one of you guys know Christ before the other, or did you guys both come at the same time? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit different. So we both grew up Catholic, but I call it traditional Hispanic Catholic where you went to funerals and weddings and oh. Easter and Christmas Eve only. Ash Wednesday. Um, Ash Wednesday too. You walk around with the ash on the end. Oh. Were you just at the train tracks or no, ah. uh, but we knew, we knew that through our faith. And then we, my wife got uh, saved in her early teens. Um, and then we both got baptized together um, when we were 19 years old. Yeah, in a pe- Pentecostal church. Um, but I said my I said salvation prayer, I don't know, maybe like 15 times when I was like 12 years old and 13 years old. My friend used to take me to this um, Bapticostal church. They called it Baptist and Pentecostal church in Luke Air Force Base. And um, she was like, come on, I'm dragging you to the altar. You need to get saved. And I'm like, mm-hmm. saved from what? What does that mean? Yeah. Um, and then I just, people were praying in the spirit. That's and so I was like, I don't know, this sounds crazy, but I want it. <laughs> like yeah. So um, that's that's how I kind of we, came to We know. say the salvation prayer after every single one of Pastor Sean's messages. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> you can't say it enough. Yeah. And then I get filled with the Holy Ghost after you guys preach oh, every single wow. time. <laughs> Pastor Erica, do you have something you want to share or add to that? Yeah. You know, I love that you guys didn't just talk about physical healing because when I yeah. heard the question, I was just thinking about physical healing, but there's all kinds of healings. Yeah. For sure. Initially, I kind of was like, well, 
I don't know, but listen, I've dealt with suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Off and on since I was 16. And um, the first time it lasted for several months, I didn't tell anybody. I just knew something was definitely wrong. Mm -hmm. I got tired of feeling the way that I was feeling. And out of a fit of rage, I didn't know really what to do. I, I was saved at the time. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I was still making straight A's. I was still a good kid, right? Yeah. But all I knew was I just did not want to be on the earth anymore. I was so mm. sad all the time. I would go to sleep just to not be awake, just so I didn't have to deal with myself. And mm. one day out of just a fit of I'm tired of feeling this way, I threw the laundry basket down. I was getting ready to wash clothes. And I just threw my hands in the air and I started praising God like a crazy person. I just started screaming hallelujah and thank you, Jesus, and anything that came to mind. And as I just shouted, I felt something pop in mm. my chest and I heard like that noise wow. and it lifted. Whatever that oppression wow. was, it literally lifted and I knew oh, it's gone. And I did not deal with the thoughts again until my mid twenties, which came as a surprise. It was like 10 years later. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, I'll do the same thing I did last time. I'll just lift my hands and shout and it'll go away. And it didn't. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, okay. So I just, again, back to that first question. I just did what I knew to do in the waiting, right? I knew what God said about me and how important I was and how much he loved me. And I just kept rehearsing his word and speaking it over my life. And when I would have those defeating thoughts of, oh, no one would miss you anyway, or you're more of a liability than a blessing, or you're not, you know, whatever, whatever the enemy says, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not this. Satan always tells us what we're not. And God tells us right. what we are. Yeah. And so I would try to speak the word and replace the negative with something positive God said about me. And over time, those thoughts started to go away. And I don't deal with that oppression anymore. So I just want to encourage whoever might be watching, you might be dealing with something secretly like that. Um, something my husband always says is that sin's power lies in secrecy. So I would encourage you to tell someone, a trusted friend, tell a therapist, tell a counselor, tell your pastor, tell um, someone that you know who is going to pray with you through that. Someone who will make you laugh because joy is the opposite of that, that sadness or the, even yeah. anger. You might need to deal with the anger a little bit. Pastor Joey talked mm -hmm. about anger. Yeah. Um, and ask Holy Spirit, where is this coming from? Sometimes it's demonic oppression. And sometimes we're just beating our own self up. So right. it could be a combination of things. But I've been delivered from that. And I just thank God that, yeah. like you said, I'm able to help others who are struggling in that area because I feel like I have a victory now. I have a crown um, yes. from pressing through in the word on that subject. That's really good. That's so good. That's so good. It's, I think you're so right. It could be um, sometimes those kinds of things, it can be hard mm -hmm. to share with other people. Yeah. And then we're robbing ourselves from our own healing um, because we're afraid to, to tell someone that we're going, we're going through that. Like definitely yeah. we have felt those sadness, depression feelings Absolutely. for sure. Um, our next question is what are your ideas on God showing you who your future spouse will be? And what do you do with the information? If he does show you who your spouse will be. Ooh, ooh. That's a good one. Yep. <laughs> do you just go right up to them and be like, I'm going to marry you one day. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Really side oh. note. People come and tell us before, you know, when they're, really feeling like they want to find a spouse be like the lord told me you're my wife and that we had a counsel somebody that was going to people telling them god showed me you're my wife you're my wife you're my wife 
And I said, well, like five different girls, five different his girls. Wife. I said, listen, <laughs> that is your desire being made manifested in your subconscious. And so you have to really start to say, God, what do I need to be? Where do I need to be so that I am husband ready and not necessarily that that wife is ready for me. It's all about preparation before God launches you into what you need to do to find that person you need. Yeah. And it doesn't mean God won't show you that, yeah. but just use wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I think too, you know, just, um, I, I think that, that it's easy for the word of the Lord to be kind of used in manipulative ways. Yeah. Uh, the reality of it all is that I think God has given all of us a choice. And even, even if God reveals something to us about another person, who, who they potentially might be to us, uh, that person still has the freedom to choose whether or not they want that relationship or not. And um, I, one of the things the Lord told me years ago is that you got to be able to tell the difference between an infatuation and a presentation. And I think that sometimes when you... When a person believes that they've gotten a word from God uh, about who they believe their spouse is, I think one of the best things to do is just sit on it. No, don't do anything with it. Uh, just to see as to whether or not, you know, two or three months from now, you still feel the same exact way. Mm -hmm. And then uh, if we were to remove just the spiritual component from it, uh, relationships are all about chemistry. You know, all about, you know, you, 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 you think that you want to be with a person, but you might not even like the personality. You might not even <laughs> like you know, uh, certain things about them that would just drive yeah. bananas. And so, you know, just, just going through just the natural process of just getting to know people, you know, be around, maybe be around that person, serve with that individual. Uh, but at the same time, guard your heart, because the last thing you want to do is to throw yourself out there, uh, locking down a relationship and that other person hasn't given you, hasn't, hasn't given you any type of inkling that they're actually interested in who you are. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things that used to really frustrate me as a single man, which I was really happy once I got married because I never had to deal with it anymore. <laughs> and that is just kind of people mistaking me being nice with I liked them and 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 they thought I was their husband. And I just was like, man, I, I'm just trying to be a nice Christian guy and and trying to be, you know, respectful. And and people just kind of, you know, took it the wrong way. And yeah. And, uh, and so once I got married, you know, it was it was so freeing because I never had to really deal with that at all anymore. And to me, in a relationship, especially if I talk about it from a from a from a guy's perspective, perspective, to me, the, the the woman in the relationship is the prize, and the last thing uh, that that a woman should ever have to do is to pursue a guy. You know, she wants that guy to be able to pursue her because if you're the prize, you want him to be chasing you in the beginning so that he can still continue to chase you throughout the relationship. Amen. And versus when it's the other way around. You know, you got your heart set on a guy and you got other guys that maybe approach you and they were great guys. You missed out on some great opportunities because you had your heart set just on one individual. Mm. Mm. That's really good. That is so good. I like, I'm going to take notes off of this Zoom and, <laughs> and I want my kids to hear this, <laughs> my yeah. teens to hear this too and go back. I'm going to go back and watch the playback so I can write all that down. That's right. I like yeah. that. I like that. I'm to tell the story yeah. of, um, of us our story so he believed i was the one but i so i was in college i was like an hour and a half away from where he was so in the meantime he didn't know much about me so he started like asking everyone that knew me questions about me right not thinking that that would get back to me so like people that i knew that knew him were coming to me like yo uh at the time it was minister more minister more keeps asking about you i think he's interested i think he likes you and i was like he doesn't like me he don't even know my name 
And they were like, no, girl, he knows your name. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> and so he was kind of doing his investigating to make sure I wasn't cray-cray before yeah. he let me know he was interested. And my fruit was all good. Everything people said about me was good. And so that kind of gave him more of, of uh, oh, okay, well, I'll actually go talk to her. So that's a good point to everyone saying, what should I do to prepare? prepare to be the type of person that when people talk about you, they have good things to say. Amen. You, you know, because your reputation will precede you. And that's all I was really doing was acting on scripture. Just the Bible talks about how, you know, to, um, uh, that prophecy should be proven. Uh, you know, Jesus says, you know, a tree by the fruit that it bears. I, I had a word in my heart, but I waited for months before I really did anything with it. Cause I wanted to see, if at least the people that were around her had anything positive to say about her. So that way I knew, you know, they were like, man, she is a flake. She's a nut, a flake, and a kook. And then they would have been like, Lord, I got to take her back to the Lord. Like, God, I, I might have missed you in this area. <laughs> right. And the other thing is when he did finally approach me, he just was kind of like, can I have your number? Can we talk sometime? He didn't say, I think you're my wife. I want to, like, take you out. He didn't mention the wife thing at all. Yeah, um that yeah i would have been like mm. um so i <laughs> um no so i did give him my number we talked and then i was angry because we talked for three hours it was like the greatest conversation of my life i was a senior in college and he was like okay so i've made it very clear that i'm interested and i think we should pursue like a relationship like an exclusive exclusive relationship that could one day lead i don't even think you said marriage but you made it it was obvious i knew what he was saying without him literally saying it yeah. He I don't know what he said, but I knew what he meant, right? And he basically was like, okay, really? I'm not going <laughs> to call you anymore, okay? You have my phone number. I want you to pray and see if you have peace about yeah. entering some sort of, you know, a relationship with me. And then I'm mad because I'm like, I'm not trying to pray about this dude. Because at the time, I was thinking I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to date. I'm not, you know, I didn't think it was my season. You know, Christians get all into their seasons. Yeah. And I just thought it was my single season. And then he was making me pray and I was all mad, but I did pray. I had peace. I finally called him back and the rest is history. We're together. One thing I want to say to ladies though, sometimes women are like, well, what if I find out first? What if I feel like God told me this guy is my husband and he has not made any moves, right? Mm -hmm. So I have a friend who this was her story. She was in a friendship, a real friendship, not friends with benefits, not friend, like a real platonic, real for real friendship with a group of guys and a group of girls. They always would like go out on, on group, you know, I don't even know if you call it dates. They just went out, they were all friends. But she believed God told her that one of the guys in the group was her husband. Mm. Well, she didn't tell me, and I was like a really good friend of hers, she didn't tell him. She didn't tell anybody. She continued to be friends with this group. She continued to be normal and love Jesus. She even moved overseas, went on a missions thing that lasted for years, 10 years go by. Now, meanwhile, 10 ladies, 10 years went by. She wasn't complaining. She wasn't, where's my man? Where's my da-da-da, whatever. And eventually, he, he, the light came off. I think that's my wife. So he approached her and now they're married and she knew the whole time and didn't say anything. So I would say to ladies, if God is going to tell you first, I would think that he would believe that you are mature enough to handle that information 
mm. without running up into his face and saying, what's taking you so long and why are you dating all these other girls? <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's really good. Really good. That's so good. Uh, there was this like quote I read something about like, God, thank you for, um, for uh, like breaking up my husband's relationship so that he can come to me like basically like so that they they <laughs> it doesn't work out because they know that they're meant to be here yeah. <laughs> yeah so um that's awesome i hope you guys are taking notes this is like great great wisdom and downloads for you our next question is how do you balance marriage and ministry when you work with your spouse Mm. You, you got I think you guys can answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Go question. Go We're still learning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know we are. We yeah. we really are. I think we we both know um there there's been in time we've always obviously served in ministry together at some capacity. Yeah. But we've worked at different places. I worked for an insurance agency for like 10 years. He worked at a college for for over 10 years. Um and then we'd have ministry at night or on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, when we go into work mode, like we just uh, like kind of get like tunnel vision with everything else. Like mm-hmm. it's just like work, 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 work. And it can be like, I'm not going till I, I'm not finishing till I stop. Like if I'm, yeah. if I was planning like a women's conference, um, or different things like that, like we, we learn off of each other, like, okay, what does my spouse need right now at this moment? But I think it's so important to know, um, to to separate the the two in the sense of just because you work together doesn't mean that that's that you're on a date it doesn't mean that you are mm-hmm. investing in your marriage at that time like you can be partners you can be business partners you can be co-workers but it's so important to mm-hmm. on your calendar um just like you would write any other appointment and we learned this from dr mccray um to block out some time oh at least once a week for your spouse for that and that's time that cannot be changed that cannot be moved it's just you know it's on there intentionally Mm -hmm. and i know that we when we need it when we can start getting like funky in in the atmosphere or funky with each other and it's the same thing too with like family time where I'm like okay like it's been a lot of like work or kids had sports or different things like that where it's like okay we need just a a a debrief time family game night or doing nothing I've I've said this before where um um there was a time where it's like oh mom we're not going to church tonight um before quarantine obviously and I was like, you know, sometimes you can have too much church and not enough Jesus. So we need to make sure uh, like God is blessing our family game night as much as he would bless us if we were to leave the building and Amen. go somewhere else. And oh. and this, these kinds of things please him. And um, so I say intentionality or sometimes like I, I wait and like nudge him like I want him to be intentional or like um, um plan stuff, but he's not like a big, big planner. So sometimes I just have to do it. Or if he does it right on the spot, then he'll know, like, he'll be like, Hey, don't make plans. Like right now, the quarantine stuff, he's like, we're going in our garage on Saturday and we're going to dance. So don't make plans at seven (laughs) o'clock. I was like, okay. So (laughs) sometimes I just need to vocalize and tell him that, but just because you work together, um, don't count that as like, well, we already spent so much time together, so we're good. Like mm-hmm. that does not mean that is not um, uh, uh, that does not substitute for a romantic, like um, intentional date night. So yeah. I would say be intentional. And, and the only thing I would add to that is, 
is we know our spouses better than any of their friends do. Uh, yeah. We know our spouses better than our other people that we work or do ministry with. And so we try to keep an eye on each other in regards to when we think oh, we're burning the candle at both ends. And so there's a lot of times where um, I'll look out for, for Judy and I'm like, babe, you need to put your phone down. You need to eat lunch. Like it's super important. Like I can see it coming to a point and she does the same thing for me. And so we are caring for our, for not just them as the person, but we're caring for our marriage when we notice that there's too much work and not enough marriage because there's, there's like a three entity in the marriage. I love, you know, Dr. McCray talks about this too, but he says, there's you, there's her, and there's your marriage. The marriage is its own entity. Wow. So you're in ministry. You're maybe ministry in you, what God's designed you to do. She's doing what she does because God designed her to do that. And just because you're working together does not mean that you're plugging into that third entity. So there has to be a separation, just like there is a church and state. There needs to be a separation between us individually and the entity of marriage. Yeah. Wow. That is so good. Yeah. Love all of that. I don't think I need to add anything. Good Lord. Drop the mic. <laughs> Drop the mic. Yeah, and through that, you know, um, family and marriage is, is your number one ministry, but it, yeah. it, it definitely can have its challenging times if you're if you don't take a pause and intent and be intentional. And I like what you, what you said that looking mm -hmm. out for each other, like I'll know when he needs a break where he's, I'm like, okay, he needs to, before the gyms were closed, he used to love going boxing. Um, but now like, you know, we have a little boxing thing in the garage. It's like, he'll, he'll go there or run and he'll know like, okay, I need a mental break or he'll tell me to yeah. like, Hey, um, uh, that's enough prophecy over people you need to eat like, yeah. or something like, you know, turn off your phone or something. I'm like, hold on. I got to share one more dream. And I like yeah. to barely keep my eyes open like, um, or, or something. Um, <laughs> so we, we it's, it's good. It's good. You have to be able to tell each other like, Hey, mm -hmm. I care about your, your health more than that. So yeah, that's really good. Um, I'll move on to our next question. How do you properly honor an unbelieving spouse when it comes to dreams, visions, passions that God has placed within you? My unbelieving spouse is very supportive, but it feels like we're living two separate lives. Mm. How do we do this when divorce is not an option? Well, I would start by uh, Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And I think that agreement is one of the keys to building an effective relationship. And I think that uh, if you have two spouses that are content with remaining together, we know 1 Corinthians 7 uh, tells us, like, if the unbelieving spouse departs, let them depart. A brother or sister is under no bondage in such cases. So when you, gotta, when you have a situation where both spouses are content in remaining within that marriage, well, I would build the marriage on the things that you do agree on. And I would assume to some degree that there are probably some, even if you don't, even if you don't agree when it comes to faith, I would assume that there are some values uh, that, that, that that husband and wife probably agree on. Mm. And if you're going to build any relationship, even if you talk about a relationship between a believer and a believer, that relationship mm. is still built on the things that that man and woman agree on. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we, sh we struggle to build relationships with a person when we make the relationship all about our faith. Mm -hmm. uh, like if, you, if a person has come to Christ prior to their spouse, there are still certain things about that relationship that caused the two of them to fall in love with, with each other. And I would assume that all of those things aren't current. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there are, there are some things that may not be on the level of dreams and visions 
mm -hmm. uh, that some of some some common denominators that 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 she could potentially or he can potentially find with their spouse that would allow them to start building from there. And then when we look back in the Old Testament, uh, you know, the Hebrew people believed that when God spoke to them, he spoke to them in a very practical way, which is why he, when he said he would bless them, he would bless their cattle, he would bless, bless their sheep, he would bless their kind. God was always speaking to them in a way that related to their lifestyle. So I would kind of approach it the way that a, 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 a pastor or a minister, uh, like what they have to do on a Sunday or in Bible school or some other spiritual experience. And that is we have to take the Bible, which is a spiritual book, and we have to make it palatable for somebody that knows Christ and for someone that doesn't so that they understand it so that their heart is pricked and all of a sudden they want to make a decision to come to Christ. And ultimately the greatest sermon that, that our spouses can ever hear preached is what they see us live on an everyday basis. Come on. So I would encourage them to, to just make, make being a, 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 a Christian so exciting that your spouse is just like, you have got to tell me something about this Jesus because it makes you so attractive. I just have got to know more about why you are the way that you are. That's it. Yeah. The first thing that came to my mind when you asked that question is the word respect. And I think that, um, and the second thing is be nice. <laughs> so just love your spouse, just love on them. You know, the Bible tells us that people are one. Um, that first of all, they'll know we're Christians by our love, but also that it's the love of God that draws men or brings men to repentance. And I think sometimes we can get so, oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. I need to correct this. I need to help them fix that, that we, we, um, we stop enjoying just being their friend, just being their spouse. So I would just say, love your spouse to pieces serve them till they are like blushing like do things on purpose just to make them laugh make them giggle make them love your company they can't wait to be with you and yeah your fruit just your your uh, fruit of the spirit you being gentle you being meek you being humble practicing long suffering just being a, a great person will make them want to be around you and be more like you so just yeah. enjoy your spouse and the love of God will draw them. That's so good. That's really good. I, I love I love that. Do you have yeah. anything to add to that? I think that's no, I, I think consistency as a Christian wins souls, whether they're in your house or out of your house. If you're inconsistent about anything, they're not going to want to tie themselves to something that's not yeah. consistent. Mm -hmm. And the best thing to be consistent with is our love. Mm -hmm. We love them no matter what. Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, stay encouraged. You know, I think if it was like in, um, an abusive situation or anything like that, obviously, um, you know, um, seek help for something like that. But if your spouse is being supportive, but you're just not seeing eye to eye in your faith, believe it or not, like mm -hmm. I went to church by myself in our first year of marriage. Um, pastor Joey didn't want nothing to do with God. And it's so crazy how God turned it around mm -hmm. to where, when I wanted a Sunday off, um, then I was like a sinner. <laughs> so I was like, people don't believe me when I say like, yeah. no, he didn't want to go to church. Like we, um, 
he just was going through his own thing with God. And I remember thinking like, gosh, he, he needs to be here. He needs to hear this sermon. This sermon is for him. Like everything the preacher was saying, I was like, this is for him. He needs to hear this. Why isn't he here? And I would go home and like throw the notes at him. Like, look, read all this. I highlighted it for you. It's bolded and underlined. See that, you know, and then, um, someone uh, blessed me with a book called the power of the praying wife. And literally the first sentence says, shut up, shut up and pray. And I was like, I don't like this book. I'm throwing it in the trash. (laughs) Um, And obviously I didn't, I continued reading it and it's so good. It talked about, um, um, your spouse with money, um, your spouse and, and, and like intimacy and just all these things. And basically just challenged you to, to be quiet um, in the sense of arguing, uh, arguing about faith, but to not let your deeds be quiet. Um, and to let your, let your deeds and your love and your acts of kindness and service be loud and, um, and to pray, to fight and war with prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day we were getting, um, dressed, I was getting Nadia dressed for church. She was little. And I remember him, yeah. uh, Pastor Joey saying like, hey, I'm going to church with you today. And everything in me wanted to say like, oh, now you want to come? Like, <laughs> and, and I felt like the Holy Spirit say, shut your mouth. You're not saying anything like bite your tongue. Like yeah. this is all the prayers that you've been doing for, for like a year and a half or longer. And so I was like, just be quiet. Like, this is what you've been praying for. This is what you've been praying for. You're going to ruin it with your mouth. So, <laughs> I just want to tell you when that moment comes, don't ruin it with your tongue. Like take, let the Holy Spirit take over and he can do a way better job than your mouth can. We need to get back, back to those days, Pastor Judy, with the Holy Spirit <laughs> tells us to shut up. I'm like, wait a minute, did, did the Lord just, he didn't tell me to speak. No, he told you to shut up. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's, there's something in your question though, too, that I, I, I want to make sure that we don't miss. And that is, um, the person said, when divorce is not an option, that, that tells me that both individuals see value in the relationship where they don't want to break away so even if your spouse is an unbeliever there's something that they see in you that says to them i don't want to leave this person i want to be with them so you're you're attracting them to god more than what you really yeah absolutely that's so good i love that that's so good um next question is um if a man or woman has a best friend of the opposite sex prior to marriage, should that friendship continue in the same way into marriage? An example, is it okay for my spouse to text, to text her, call her, have dinner and drink dates like they used to? Bam. Wow. Can you read that last part again? The text dates and the what? what? Uh, meaning texting calls dinner and drink dates like because they used to do that before they got married and so is it okay to continue now that you're married we actually know people that still do this yeah i i feel really passionate about this so yeah. i, I want to let you yeah. know respond. You got it, Pat. Um, uh, all i was gonna all i was gonna say was just you know the bible tells us to leave mother and father so i mean if we're, we're told to leave mother and father and cleave <laughs> to our spouse i'm i'm assuming that's on a whole nother level than friends oh that's right. come on that's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, wow. There's so many different directions I can go with this. I think it, you have to, first of all, know yourself, know what you can and cannot handle. Again, is this really a friend or is this someone I'm attracted to? Is this someone I lean on when I'm angry with my spouse? Like know mm-hmm. yourself and be honest with your with yourself. Number one. 
Number two, what can your spouse handle? So maybe you're okay and you're not tempted and you don't want to leave your spouse and you're not attracted to this friend. And maybe your friend is not attracted to you either. And the two of you are fine, but your spouse has insecurities mm. that start bubbling every time that person's name is mentioned. You're no longer walking in love with your spouse if you mm -hmm. continually do something that you know rubs them the wrong way. Yeah. It might not rub you the wrong way, but if it rubs them the wrong way, you might want to consider that. The other thing is yeah. anything That's really good. that can potentially divide you and your spouse should not be as important as that marriage. Whether it's your job, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, whether it's a hobby, nothing ministry. on this earth, ministry, nothing on this earth should be more important to you besides your relationship with God than your relationship with your spouse. Yeah. And so if your spouse is not in agreement, you know, all relationships, they have to, you have to find that agreement and they're uncomfortable, then out of respect for your spouse, you, you need to either completely end that relationship if they're not comfortable with it at all, or find some sort of compromise or agreement that they are comfortable with. So maybe they're not comfortable with you eating lunch with them every day like you used to, you know, when you were coworkers or whatever, but maybe they're okay with you guys still texting or talking on the phone occasionally. Do what your spouse is comfortable with and what, and if they're married, what their spouse is comfortable with, because you want to respect their spouse as well. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. Yeah. That's good. That's so good. Um, I, I totally agree. One of the things um, that it just makes me think of is if you are more emotionally and conversationally invested with your best friend than your spouse, then that's a danger zone. Because, um, like you said, mm -hmm. Pastor Erica, it, um, um, you know, if you're going to them and venting to them when there's problems, then you're creating that that emotional soul tie, even if it's not a sexual one. And that person's always going to be your rescuer and your savior um, at the time when there's hardship. And we we've seen that. And so we had a best friend that was a guy, mm -hmm. and he was both of our best friend when we were 15 years old, and he remained that for like 10 years yeah. before. I mean, um, into our late 20s. Yeah, before he moved. But um, I didn't go on on um, friend dates with him without uh, my spouse. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I had my own um, um, guy best friend. I had more guy friends than than girlfriends, and and he had some some the same way. Um, but when, when pastor Joey and I got married, I didn't go and see him on my own. He became like our, it's like he became our best friend. And then when he got married, yeah. then she became like our, our good friend. So it's like you invite them into that relationship. And if they don't accept your spouse and that relationship changes, then, um, as well, then, then you need to, um, question the friendship. Um, I know some people would argue with me and be like, no, that's not true. You can have platonic relationships mm -hmm. and best friends and still be married and, and see them and et cetera. But like you said, what is your spouse okay with? Um, we saw this series called Affair Proof Your Marriage. And it basically just talks about like, don't get in the car with the opposite sex. Um, if, you're, if you're a boss and you have a meeting with someone, um, open mm -hmm. the blinds or open the door, like basically guarding yourself, not in the sense of like, gosh, because I'm, I'm so afraid of temptation, but because you, God says that, 
that he'll provide a way out and you have to make sure there's always a way out for you that you're never going to put yourself in a, in a place where it's like, well, what if, or, or, or I'm so strong, I'm never going to be tempted. Mm. So I'm okay. Like we can't think that way. Like we just have to, it's better to be guarded, but not just that to guard and protect our spouse and to ask Mm -hmm. them like there was, um, there was a girl that uh, Pastor Joey worked with um, in his last job that um, one day um, text like a group text and was like, hey, don't forget your gym clothes. We're going to work out. And I was like, eh, I'm not OK with that. Like, mm-hmm. how would you feel if I just went and worked out with a guy? Yeah. You know, like and he's I'm not paying him. He's not my personal trainer. Yeah. So um, immediately he's like, hey, um, you know, so he did that out of honor. Um, you know, like I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So. And I just want to say this. Um, our soul. Um, does not distinguish well the difference between loyalty and 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 feeling connected because of your relationship with that person. So if something's going bad in your in your marriage or let's say you're having a difficult time, um, you're being pushing you're pushing away from your spouse naturally because you're having a difficult time. And so your soul's going to go to the next place that it felt the most comfortable in. And safe. Safe. And, safe. Yeah. and so more emotional affairs happen in the midst of safe places than they do with you putting up safeguards. And so we tell people all the time, premarital counseling, like find somebody outside of your family, like your direct family, your mom and dad, or um, that you can go to to get counsel when you're having a difficult time. And number one, they shouldn't be the same, the opposite sex as you. And number two, they should be godly representation so that they can go and say, hey, when I'm having this difficulty, I go back and they're going to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. Your best yeah. friend's always going to go like, oh, it's okay. It's not your fault because they have a history with you and your soul is going to connect yourself to that history and you'll have an emotional affair right underneath your nose, even before clothes come off. Yeah. 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 And and there's, there's a fine line when you, when you still call that person your best friend and you haven't developed that filet whole friendship type of love with your spouse to Mm -hmm. be able to call your spouse, your best friend. Um, and so I, I would work on that, but you did say earlier too, when I read this question to you, like, um, uh, invite that person so that to your house for dinner. So it's not like, you know, then that's a whole family thing and, and things like that. And if they begin to get upset or frustrated, then, you know, like, okay, this person's probably not for my marriage, but they were for me when I was single. Yeah. And then yeah. just a final thing is trust your discernment as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Joey would tell me before, like, oh, that person wants you or et cetera, or there was people trying to break us up or vice versa. Um, and, and um, you know, trust your discernment. Like I've walked into places and I'm like, um, honey, she just wants your man. Like I could tell you right now, she's trying to get to you to get to your man um, or, or, or vice versa. And so, so trust that, trust, right. trust what God is showing you. I think it's things too that women see uh, that men don't, and there yes. are things that men see that, admit that women don't. Yeah, if we could just cover each other in yeah. those areas, I think we'll be good to go. Right. That's yeah. why it's not good for us to be alone. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's so good. Yeah. That's so true. Um, this next question is: How do you effectively minister to someone who has been struggling with getting past church hurt? That's really. Um, true. You know. We hear a lot about church hurt, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to be honest. I'm kind of like, not to diminish church hurts, right. but there's all kinds of hurt, right? Mm-hmm. There's family hurt. There's workplace hurt. There's friendship hurt. Mm-hmm. There's marriage hurt. There's all kinds of hurt. And so the same way you heal from any other hurt is the same way you heal from church hurt. 
Matthew 18 tells us to go to that person alone if you have ought against your brother. And I find with church, people tend to get offended at something and, and they may have a good valid reason for that offense. Something may have been wrong that happened to them. Yeah. But what typically happens that I see the church is people just get upset and they leave. They don't do Matthew 18. Yeah. So who hurt you? Acknowledge that you're hurt. Be honest with yourself. Allow yourself to feel that. Ask yourself, why am I hurt? What did it bring up? Why didn't I like the way they said that to me? Why didn't I like what this would happen? And sometimes when you acknowledge it with just you and God, God can minister to you and you get yourself healed and you don't even have to do Matthew 18 with that first step. You realize, oh, that was an insecurity or that was something that was going on with me that had nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes you go through that process and God is like, no, you have a valid reason for being upset. That was inappropriate. What happened? And so then... Be bold enough to be honest and have that conversation. All of us come from different backgrounds. Some of us uh, grew up in homes where kids were seen and not heard, or we weren't allowed to voice uh, when something was wrong, or we were told to be quiet, or what happened to your space here, or whatever. And sometimes we carry that into adulthood. And I would admonish you to just do what the Bible says and literally have a conversation with that person. Sometimes people hurt you and they don't even know they hurt you. And they'll be willing to adjust to save that relationship if they didn't know. If they don't hear you, the Bible says grab one or two more. If they don't hear them, go to the elders of the church. And if they don't hear them, do with them as you would a sinner or a publican and you pray for those people, right? The Bible doesn't say curse them. The Bible doesn't say leave the church and talk about how you can't stand church folk and they're all fake and go on Facebook and Instagram and rant. And so what we would do in any other case if you're hurting your family you talk to your family member you pray with them you try to work that out um don't run away from it and do not this is the biggest thing don't um hold god responsible for something that a man or woman of god did that wasn't maybe godly that's Mm -hmm. good Mm -hmm. um please god is your solution he's not your problem so whatever wrong may have happened, God did not co-sign for that wrong thing that happened. Yeah. He wants you to be blessed. And so do not leave the things of God just because a person in the pew hurt you. That's the worst thing to do. Oh, good. That's good. That's good. What do you have to say? Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would just say, um, um, I, I think a, a practical way to approach it is sometimes when a person gets offended in a particular place, they may need to step away from that place for a season in order to heal. What I mean by that is if you got hurt in a particular church, you may need to attend another one just for a season. Because uh, mm. sometimes the time away from the space that you were hurt in will help you to be able to heal. Uh, but then there are other times where, you know, uh, let, let's see all let, let's see church hurt for what it is church hurt is, is offense that's 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 literally what it is and what offense uh in the greek is the greek word scandalizo where we get the english word scandal from and it and it mm. and the same way that a scandal affects a person oftentimes offense affects the per, a person the same exact way people are they're they're blown away they're they're i, I can't believe this just mm-hmm. happened um, and I think offense can do one of two things. It can, it can either trap you or it can just reveal where your ceiling is in that area of your life. Because yeah. let's be honest, when, when, when we're offended, it has revealed to us the point 
a, a certain uh, limitation in our life that we cannot go beyond until we break through the ceiling of that offense. If we can get through that offense, there is growth, there is promotion, there, there is increase on the other side of it. But we've got to make a decision that we're not going to stay in that trap. I also recommend, too, that whenever a person has experienced uh, some type of church hurt, just like a physical injury, a lot of times what happens is people heal, but they don't strengthen the place that oh, was hurt. Right. So they get hurt over and over mm -hmm. again in the same right. exact area. You know, when a, a person experiences a physical injury, if they, like if you, you um, let's say you, you, you rupture your Achilles. Well, it's not just a matter of your, your Achilles feeling better if you want your explosiveness to come back. You have to go through physical therapy. And the, really, it's the same exact way when you experience church hurt. You have now a newfound sensitivity in a certain area. And if you don't strengthen that area, you're going to keep re-injuring over and over again. So what you've got to do now is you now have to challenge yourself to not only be healed of the offense, but now to go and confront the thing that trapped you before to make sure that it doesn't trap you again. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let's say, for example, if, if you have an issue with someone in leadership in the church, you are hurt by someone in leadership, then you not only have to heal from that leader, you're going to have to get through the uncomfortableness of being around other church leaders to strengthen that part of your life so that you don't keep getting re-injured in the same exact area. Yeah, that's, that's really so good. good. So that's good. really good. I, I remember... Uh, just to share an analogy, I remember a while back, uh, Pastor Judy and I went to Carl's Jr. And I ate a double jalapeno guacamole burger Ooh. from there. And um, I ate it, and I was sick as a dog for like food two, food poisoning, for like two or three days after that. I was so sick to my stomach, to the point that the next time I passed by Carl's Jr., I got nauseous by seeing it. That doesn't mean that the sickness is still in my body. That means that my brain and my trauma recognize oh. hurt by that place. And so that place doesn't do anything to me. It's the trauma and my experience. So I relive experiences before I even had that food touch my mouth again. And what happens sometimes, it's like when we turn our back on the church as a whole because of one person's indiscretion or one person's bad decision or you caught somebody on a bad day if you caught me on a bad day where i didn't eat yet or exercise or <laughs> go to the back in the day go to the harkins movies you know whatever that is and and i did something to offend you that's like saying that's like me saying hey i'm never going to eat beef again because i ate one bad burger i'm never going to go into the house of god again because i had one bad interaction with a person mm -hmm. so if that's you that's been hurt i just want to encourage you to do this give yourself a new experience Instead of judging God, judging the church, judging ministry as a whole, start to say, God, I can't wait to have this next good experience. I can't wait so I can go into this place of my worship and have this, this presence of congregating together because God says we shouldn't stop meeting together. So I want to do that. Help me have a new experience. Mm -hmm. And so when we have a new experience, we rewire our trauma in our brain so that we don't get nauseous every time we pass by a church again. Wow. That's so good. Mm -hmm. So powerful. Create new, some, some new synapses. Yeah. Yeah. In the brain. I love that. I love that. Pastor Joy, you didn't just make yourself throw it, man. You could have got it over. I think I threw it 12 times. Huh? I think I threw it 12 times. It was bad. Oh, man. Now you, now you just got to go to In-N-Out. <laughs> yep. Amen. That's the spot. <laughs>
uh, you want to here after this to show your heels. I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's so good. I think when we um when we say church hurt, I like what you were saying, Pastor Erica, that it's just like any other hurt. Um, mm -hmm. because um when God describes the church as it's us, right? It's people, it's just you were hurt in a church building uh, by yeah. people. And it's mm -hmm. and it's people, and so it's like it can happen um at uh, your job. Yeah and you were hurt by a, a coworker or, or, or anything. It can happen by a family member, like you said, or anything like that. But we have to um, stop tying a face to the, to the hurt or offense so that we can actually have mm. like complete healing and inviting God into inviting God into that area. And how do you minister to someone that's been church hurt is um, I would say is um, by you living out, um, the life that God wants you to keep loving on that person, keep being kind to them. Um, you know, just go out of your way to, to show them the love of God. And, mm. and really is people are more, um, um, uh, shown love by, by actions that follow through mm. with our, that precede our words, as opposed to just by telling them. And mm. so just li live out that because it could be hard to minister to someone that, that, or maybe they don't want to come to church when you yeah. invite them. So you just keep living that out and being that example. And that's what we've seen in people that we've invited to yeah. like church or Bible studies and like, we don't want anything to do with it. We actually prayed and the Lord showed us like to be that bridge and that bring that restoration to people that have had um hurt or offenses or were afraid mm. to go back to church and when they saw like you said like just consistency like okay like um joey and judy aren't perfect but one thing they stayed consistent in is their faith yeah um and so uh that's that's one thing that i would say for and that I, I would say this too i think that um if we can take offense out of the realm of just feeling uh because yeah. i think that you know, how oftentimes I think people emphasize how they feel when they're around another individual. But um, but offense is so much, it's, you know, to me, it's so much more than that. Because if you think about a lot of times people say things like, you know, the church is supposed to be like family. And I just kind of try to remind people, I say, you know how many times your family's offended? You know how many times my kids, yeah. you know how many times my wife has offended me? How many times my, my parents have offended me? You know how many times, you know, my cousins and aunts and uncles and everybody else has offended me? We all offend each other right. all of all the time, time. Yep. you know, and I think that when we put church in this specialty category, yeah. then we're going to think we need specialty solutions in order to get free. The same solutions that help us get through all of the challenges in our other relationships are the same principles that will help us to get free uh, when we've been offended by somebody in church as well. I think, um, and then, and then lastly, just I, I, the way I can, one of the ways that I kind of see it is that if I get offended by something, my offense is my problem. It's not somebody else's problem. Now, you might have been the one that offended me, but at the end of the day, I'm the one that got offended. And so I have to do something with my offense. I have to choose that I'm going to release it, that I'm not going to hold it in anymore. I'm not going to hold everybody else hostage because of the fact that I'm in my fields. You know, I, I'm going to release everybody else. And you know what? I'm going to release myself from my offense Good. because I know I can never go to the next. One of the, st the keys to going <laughs> to the next level is never get offended. Mm -hmm. That's it. Be unoffendable. Man, Bait of Satan is a really good book by John Bevere. If you can yes. go and read that as a good resource to help, not yes. just that, but offense in general. I love that. That's so true. Staying, staying unoffendable. It doesn't mean that we are not human and we won't get our feelings hurt. Right. It's like you said, like staying in them, like choosing, like, um, you know, 
to invite God in it. Like, God, I just release these to you. I don't want to hold on to it. I don't want to harbor it because really it does keep you from being used to your highest potential by God because you're stuck. Um, so it's so true. I love yeah. that. Um, our next question is, um, my, my grown son no longer wants to be Christian and he turned to a Muslim faith. Our relationship is unhealthy. What can I say or do to change his heart? Hmm. I, I think, I, I think it goes back to the spouse question of one spouse was a Christian and the other one was not. And what do I do? Um, with any unbeliever, we need to love them. Amen. We need to love them and be patient. Uh, what comes to mind is, Marilyn Hickey story. I don't know if, if the person who wrote that question knows about Marilyn Hickey and her daughter, Sarah, but now they like travel the world and preach the gospel and they wind up in Muslim nations preaching and delivering people and healing. It's amazing what God has done through them. But, you know, Marilyn and her husband were pastors and they raised their daughter to be a Christian. And sometime in, I, I don't know if she was a teen or she was in college, but she went to her mom and was just like, you know what? I don't know if I believe this anymore. I don't know if I believe the Bible anymore. And I'm just going to start exploring. Yeah. <laughs> and I love Marilyn Hickey's response. Um, she just was kind of like, okay. And she just let her do what she was going to do. And when she was away, she would anoint her room with oil. And she would pray over her pillow. And she would speak the word over her daughter. Um, I think she had other people praying for her. And she just would anoint her with oil, her room with oil, and pray in the spirit. And she just trusted the Holy Spirit to draw her back. And one day, her daughter came to her and said, you know, I'm done with my exploration. And I'm coming back to God. And now they work together. And have been working together in ministry for years. So what I would say is trust God. God loves your son. He has a call for your son. And, and our attitude as parents should always be, thank you for allowing me to steward um, the development of this child. But ultimately, this child came from you. He belongs to you. You love them any more than I could ever love them. And I know that even when I'm not with him and I don't know what he's doing and what he's studying, you see everything. And in your perfect timing, everything will turn around for good. So you just want to speak the word over him and be kind because, you know, don't allow the one thing that's different now to define your relationship. You've had so many years of relationship with your child up to this point. Let's focus on that. Do the things that you guys enjoy together, laugh together, share together. I have relatives that aren't born again too. And you know, I, what I've learned over the years is to just do the things with them that I know bring us both joy. So when I'm with them, we watch our favorite movies. We go to the, well, we can't go anywhere right now, but you go to where you, <laughs> the places that you enjoy together and the topics that are a little um, nails on the chalkboard, I don't even bring those up. I don't even go there with them until I know that they're at a place where we can even have that conversation and then not be awkward and very. And just trust the Holy Spirit to help you navigate that relationship, because he will. Yeah. You know, the scripture tells us, uh, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall, they shall be filled, satisfied, fulfilled. And um, I think sometimes um, when we think about that verse, we only think about people who have a passion and a desire to go after God with all of their heart. And I don't think sometimes we think about uh, what we can do as soul winners to create a hunger and a thirst in the hearts of people who God wants us to reach, including our children. 
Uh, I feel that even as Christians in a home where, you know, our kids are all Christian, uh, I feel like our assignment with them, our heart's desire with them is to win their hearts, is to be a voice in their lives. I think the greatest position we hold uh, is to be that voice. And so what we're always trying to do is to create hunger, to create thirst in them, to pursue the God that their mom and their dad have been telling them about. And I think that you can do that by uh, doing things like, you know, loving God with all of your heart, the first commandment. And then the second is loving your neighbor like you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing that we have to do when it comes to our neighbors, we have to accept our neighbor for who they are. That, that's the first step is just acceptance. You know, not trying to change them first, just accept them first. You have to accept them before you can actually start going through the process of loving them. And I would just encourage you to be, be, be his mother. Just, you know, be loving, be accepting, uh, be fun to be around. Yeah. Again, make the gospel attractive. It, uh, it, it, just because he may not necessarily um, believe like you believe right now in this season doesn't mean that that's what his life is going to be like forever. Mm-hmm. But I think if we, you can make the situation worse by making this such a point of tension that you can't have everything else that your relationship is supposed to be if you make it all about the fact that we just don't agree with each other when it comes to Jesus. Okay. These are the things I think that we have to remember turn us off about other religions in the world. You know, when you see someone that is willing to kill their family member because they don't believe like they like we believe, someone that's willing to ostracize a family member because they don't believe like the family believes. You know, what, what makes Christianity different is that we have a God that, that, that uh, doesn't rule with an iron fist, but leads with love and leads with grace and was willing to wait for us and be patient for us in order to win our hearts. Right. And he wants us to have that same approach when it right. comes to winning our kids. If that means that from the time they come out of the womb, they serve God their whole entire life, or that means that they have a, a period of time where they drift away, that our heart's desire at the end never changes. And that is whatever we've got to do to win you, whatever we got to do to create a thirst on the inside of you, we are going to make this gospel so attractive that even when you want to say no, we're going to change your mind and eventually get you to say yes. That's good. Come on. That's so good. I love it. I think with, you know, with family, um, it kind of ties into, to, um, our next question here, but, um, it's, it can be, it can be difficult and challenging with family. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit had spoken to me was, um, you know, Judy, it's not your job to change them. It's your job to love them. If you love them, then I'll take them where I want them to be. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I thought it was like the opposite, like God, uh, you know, they, they need to do this or they need to do that. And, and, and he's like, no, your job is just to love them. It's my, in my job to take them where I want them to be. If you just love them where they're at. Mm. So, yeah, that's really good. I would say as a reference to go back and look at at second Corinthians, um, chapter five or 16 through 18. Um, it talks about, that's very popular when you think about, uh, you're a new creation. The old is, the new is here and the old is gone. But then it talks a little bit about what you're called to do to not just your family, not just people, but, but what you're called to the ministry of. So everyone in here is called to a ministry and it's called the ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So that word reconciliation is meant to, it doesn't mean your job is to collect everybody that fell away. Your job is to be such a representation of God that, that when they see you, they have hope that the God that you serve is as loving as you are. And, yeah. and, and that word ministry just is a cool word called diconia. It's a, it's a compound Greek word. And it actually both of the compound together means this, a distribution center for God's charity. Mm-hmm. 
So that means, what do I got to do to, to not win, not really change them, but to win their heart to God is that I got to be a distribution center for God's charities. Every time I'm around them, I'm going to be a charity center of God's love. I'm going to be yeah. a charity center of God's good deeds. I'm going, to par- I'm going to participate with what's important to them. If they love education, I'm going to find out in the world why they love it. And not just that, but it's in that distribution of that love that they're going to say, I am attracted to what you have and who you serve. And I want to serve the God that you serve. All the people in the Old Testament that changed religions, changed religions because they saw a powerful manifestation of God's love on people. And so when you're loving and you're a great distribution center, people will be reconciled to God because you reconciled them. Mm-hmm. I love that. That is, that is so good. I think we also have to make a decision too that we will not be disgusted by their current position. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, we're not going to be disgusted. It's okay. You, you, you may not be where I want you to be. You may not even be where God wants you to be. But I'm not going to be disgusted and right. turned off and attention. Ugh, right. I, I hate where you are. No, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to love you right where you are. And just like you, I love that distribution center of God's charity. We are going to distribute God's love as a charitable organization. That's right. (laughs) Our kids and family members and everybody. I love that. That is so, so good. I love it. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, This one kind of uh, correlates with that question, but our, our final question is, um, my 17-year-old daughter just gave her life to Christ recently. My question is, how do I keep her focus on Christ? And her, like, how do I keep her fire going, kind of? Hmm. I think it's, it's well, when we get born again, it, it's, it kind of mirrors natural birth. So when you bring a baby home, um, you can try to get that baby to eat. But if the baby keeps spitting up the milk, eventually you have to pull the bottle away. So um, with your team, um, congratulations, that's awesome. You just want to make the food available. Mm. So I do this even with my unsaved uh, relatives. I, I know what kind of music they like. So I play that kind of music, but the Christian version. And then they're listening to it and they're like, this is sweet. What is, what is that? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's so-and-so. What? That's a Christian? Yeah, that's a Christian. Wow. Do you have more like this? Sure do. You know, so, you know, whatever the interests that your kids have, this is what Pastor Joey was saying, find out what she likes and find that Christian version and have it playing. And whether it's a song, certain movies, certain sounds, um, whatever she's interested in. And, you know, you can help her develop um, her word life. Um, don't, you know, don't, our expectations sometimes for babies are way too high. We expect a baby believer to be eating steak and okra with no seasoning within a week of being born again. And you would never give a newborn baby with no teeth steak, right? So you might want to find a devotional. They could read one chapter of that a day with the verse that's applicable and just encourage them. Hey, if you just read your Bible, you know, just this one chapter a day, you'll start to grow. And I would use those analogies for her, her appetite. For the things of God will increase the more she eats, just like any baby. So the more she eats the word, she the more she's gonna want to eat the word. Um, the more she prays, even if okay, let's just pray, and maybe you pray with her. You know what? Why don't we pray five minutes a night before bedtime? Mm-hmm. Something small until the point where she's like, five minutes is not enough, mom. Right. Like this is ridiculous. Okay, let's move it up to ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and let's and let her appetite yeah. be the um, measuring stick, not your expectation of how fast she should grow. 
Um, and then sometimes babies grow a lot faster than what we think. Sometimes like within a month of being born again, folks are out there getting folks saved or even in the same week. And so you <laughs> might be surprised, but just make things available and be patient with her and allow her relationship to be her relationship. It won't be exactly like yours. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. So, and be there when she has questions because she, she's going to have some. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was really <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. Because all I was gonna say was just be patient <laughs> and uh, you know and 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 don't like you said don't don't expect her to do too much too fast. Just just enjoy her journey. You know, yeah. And yeah. the same way that a baby crawls before they walk, and before they crawl, they they just kind of sit there. <laughs> you know, and so just let them go. Let her go through all of the stages she needs to go go yeah. through the walk. Uh, walk with Christ and love God. Don't don't try to put your armor on her, like Saul tried to put on David. You know, just uh-huh. let let her prove uh, the armor that God has given to her, and and uh, with time and with patience, she's uh, she's going to grow. Yeah, and I don't know if you're involved in a church that has a strong youth group, but getting her around other um, Christians her age will help to spark some of that fire too. When she realizes, oh, this is not just a grown folks thing. Like there are kids younger than me or even in my same age group that love Jesus and she sees some of that fire. And and the other thing I want to admonish you is try not to take away the stuff that you know isn't the best for her. So uh, her music is a hot mess of horrible lyrics. And, you know, just don't run into her room like, why are you listening to this? This contradicts your relationship with God and you're throwing it in the trash. Like let the Holy Spirit convict her of the things that she might need to start weeding out of her life now that she's introduced God into her life. Holy Spirit will start to convict her. And I think this is really for everyone. Sometimes we try to be Holy Spirit conviction for people. And that never really works. People resent us and they start to, and they might actually do that thing more because <laughs> they're annoyed with what we said. So you might lovingly make suggestions and just see what she does, but don't force the issue of, oh my gosh, those are still your friends. I can't believe you're even hanging with them now. Do they know you're a Christian? Did you tell, you know, um, use wisdom and how you address the areas of her life that you think need to change. Yeah, I love that thing. Just just to go off of what you said a little bit um, about you know sometimes convictions form new behaviors. Mm-hmm. New be- trying to change somebody's behavior does not enforce conviction, mm-hmm. and so we have to make sure that we allow them celebrate their decision, celebrate their steps of when they chose to 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 operate in new conviction because it's in that place that they're going to develop new behaviors because yeah. behaviors come from internal convictions. We can't change behaviors and pray that they become convictions. So that's so good. You guys are so much. Wow. No serious. Yeah. <laughs> I um I, I was gonna say that I'm glad you talked about that with conviction because yeah. I think there's there's that fine line and mm-hmm. even now like um you know our kids know know Jesus but yeah. our prayer for them was for them to have their own walk and not live through our testimony. Um, it doesn't mean that our testimony and our life can't inspire them and give them hope, but for them to have their own experiences. But then when they started having their own experiences, I wanted to protect them. I'm like, no, why are they going through this? And then the Holy Spirit is like, Hey, I'm, I'm writing their story. You have your own, like you Mm -hmm. have to trust me. Um, and so I think there's a fine line in like you, you were talking about behavior. Like when do you step in as a parent to, um, to correct something, which is our job to do, you know, to discipline um, a, a certain area. And when is it our job to like, 
to just pray and ask the Holy Holy Spirit to intervene, especially as they get a little a little older with the with the mm-hmm. teenage and things like that, where there's certain um, our kids listen to all kinds of music. But if I hear something that has like a, a bad word or something, I'm like immediately like, hey, change that. You're not allowed to listen to that or anything um, because yeah. like that fine line where I don't want them to. I just remember having my Holy Spirit moment where I literally took a case of CDs when I gave my life to Jesus and I just threw them in the trash, except for Shade. Um, and and uh, um, thank you for that. And, <laughs> um, but, um, and it was, it was beautiful because no one had to tell me to do that. Yeah. Um, and no one had to tell me like, oh, you need to do this. Or if you don't get rid of that music, or if you don't get, then you're, you're not, you know, it was just something inside of me where the Holy Spirit was purging everything spiritually. So then that started showing itself physically with stuff. And I wanted them to have that and experience that for themselves. And so now I've, it's like, I'll know certain things I'll know if my kids maybe are not telling the truth about something or I'll, I'll go and tell my husband like, Hey, I feel like mm-hmm. this is being kept or this is happening. And then they'll come to us like, and say, Hey, I really wanted to tell you something. And we already knew, but it's more, more beautiful when the, the confession comes out of their mouth yeah. and then yeah. there's the opportunity for healing because they were convicted. Um, yeah. And we always tell them, like, if you come to us with the truth, you're in less trouble than if you come to us with a lie. And right. so we have to honor and uphold that. Um, and they know that. So now they're like, they're, <laughs> they're like, yeah. oh, I'm in less trouble. I told you the truth. You can't ground me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so now they, they were like, you're right. I, I did tell you that. I have to honor my word. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was one, for example, there was one thing that, um, that our daughter was afraid to tell us. And she's like, okay, God, if this is not for me, you know, like if this relationship's not for me, then let me, let me just get caught. And then <laughs> she got caught, like, like having this, like this, like a uh, little boyfriend that they never even really got to see. She never even really got to see. <laughs> and she's like, okay, mom. And she was like in tears. She's like, I told the Holy spirit that if this is not for me to let me get caught and let me. And so I was like, Okay, well, I guess he answered your question. <laughs> yeah. So, I love yeah. that. I think all parents are hoping that the kids pray that prayer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have Nadia call heaven in just a few minutes to teach that lesson. That's right. Yeah. Hey. Yes. No, but we had that. We had that happen with um, our son because he's very, he's very like literal. So, when you tell yes. him something, he will hold you to it. So, it was like, hey, he sat us down. And uh, he's like, hey, I need to tell you, you asked to, you know, to do something specific, but I kind of did this and it wasn't like the full thing, but I, I did this. Um, and you said that if I came and told you the truth, that myself, then I wouldn't be in as much trouble. And we held it. We looked at each other yeah. and we said, we're so thankful that you do that because this is what happens when they are willing participants in their development. They have, they get disciplined less by their parents and they mm. have self-discipline more themselves and it yeah. will last longer because they participated in it. They, it's like me knowing what I need and me giving it to myself and asking somebody, hey, can you hold me accountable? Because I know what I need. Mm-hmm. Versus you forcing something into them, hoping that they get a pallet for it. Yeah. yeah. And there was moments where I would beat myself up as a parent um, mm-hmm. and thank God for, um, for, our, for our own counselor and mentor. Yeah. And I would call them in moments like, what do, what do I, I do in this situation? And um, you know, he gave me this, this uh, example of like, okay, let's say that your, your, you know, your daughter was in water and she yeah. needed some help. Uh, you know, what would you do? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would like 
jump in. I don't care if I might, I have full clothes on, I would save them, etc. You know, and then he's like, what's wrong with just throwing them a lifesaver? And that question got me and I'm like, what do you mean? That's what's good. wrong with that? Like I'm, I'm a parent. I need to go and risk my life for them. And, and he's like, yeah, but there's moments where you only need to extend the lifesaver and let them reach for it so that they also do their part and start taking accountability. Yeah. Um, and that freed me from a lot of like guilt or, or certain moments feeling like, oh, why didn't I um, discern that in time? Why didn't I you know, do that? And it's like, sometimes we need to offer yeah. ourselves grace as well as parents and like, well, how about I just extend my child this, this lifesaver and let them come and meet as well as, as opposed to like feeling like I have to jump all in the situation. That's so good. I love it. That's so good. Um, so I just asked one final thing. I said, does anyone else had any questions? And they're like, uh, great wisdom. When can you guys do this again? That was their question. When can you do it again? Oh, they want part two. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think it's great. I would love because nobody else has questions on there. I would just love just, um, you know, something before we pray, I would love to just hear if there's something on your guys's heart, just at the Holy Spirit's deposit, just a last little coin of wisdom that you can give people about life ministry you know, um, marriage in, in general, I just would love to hear from you guys. Yeah. I think I would piggyback on what pastor Judy just said. Um, we need to learn to extend ourselves more grace mm. and allow our own growth and development to happen at the pace that it needs to happen. Um, allow Holy spirit to just direct you in terms of how fast or how slow things need to happen. Sometimes we set unrealistic expectations for ourselves and that leads to discontentment. But then when we go back to God, he's like, I never expected you to do that in that short amount of time anyway. Mm -hmm. So just extend yourself more grace. Um, be kind to you. Sometimes we're kinder to strangers than we even are to ourselves. So be kind to you. Yeah love your neighbor like you love yourself so as you love yourself better and you receive that love from god it will help you to love everyone else yeah that's so good i, I think uh my, my my process personally has uh, been very similar i used to have a phd at just beating myself up so bad for just every area of my life that i fell short in and um my it took a friend of mine reminded me one day that your name is sean and your name means god is gracious and, wow. and it really I, I, yeah. I, that never registered. You know, I mean, my whole life, I mean, I'm talking about 15 years into my Christian experience, it didn't register how, how, how prophetic that name was for me in my life because I spent so much time feeling bad about what I did instead of learning how to, like, like you were saying, uh, extend some grace to myself to realize that, that God wanted me to confront my sin, but God wasn't holding my sin against me. Yeah. And if God, you know, there's a scripture in, uh, in the New Testament that says, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And I think that when we allow sometimes our heart to be the final authority, instead of allowing God to be the final authority, and sometimes we'll, we'll hold certain convictions that are not really convictions, they're really condemnation. Yeah, uh, it's condemnation that we hold against ourselves and our relationships and our finances and every other area. The reality of it all is that God knew how long it was going to take for us to develop in our relationships. He knew how long it was going to take for us to develop as leaders, as ministers, as parents, as spouses, uh, as human beings. And I think that it, it, it may be new to us, but it's not new to him. So because it's not new to him, that means this was all in the plan. He knew this was going to happen. 
So let's extend ourselves some grace. Let's not spend so much time feeling bad about the areas of our lives that we're not doing well in. Let's just redirect all of that energy and that time and that effort towards just, just committing to get better, uh, putting accountability in place, uh, relationships in place to help us grow. And then just believe it. there's no situation that we're in that's too difficult that God himself can't coach us out of. Right. That's, so, that's good. so good. That's so good. How about you, babe? Um, yeah, I'm pulling up something I wrote really quick. Do you want to have something to add? Um, I, I just feel like we, we have this idea, marriage, ministry, life um, in general, that we suffer, our progress suffers at the altar of perfection. Mm-hmm. And so we have to embrace progress and process. Mm-hmm. Not where you used to be. Celebrate. But don't be so content that you don't strive to make you a better you for, t- for God tomorrow than you are for, for you sure. today. And so don't suffer. Don't allow the progress and the process to suffer because it's not perfect. And don't utilize. I love Pastor Sean and Erica Moore. I think they're amazing ministers, husbands and wife to each other, uh, people, parents. They're amazing. But I can't look at them and try to judge my life and, no. and, and not take steps at a time because God's going to give you a plan for your life. He's going to give you yeah. a model and a blueprint okay. for your life and allow him to make progress on the blueprint he showed you. Yeah. And don't, do not judge yourself, blame yourself, condemn yourself because you're not perfect. So yeah. brace progress, enjoy the process and allow God to build the blueprint before your eyes. Yeah, with everything going on right now, especially restrictions and quarantine and things may have changed. Yeah. Um, um, I was really feeling like a heaviness in my spirit that there's some of you watching right now that mm-hmm. are battling like sadness and depression yeah. um, and just these overwhelming feelings. So I definitely want to pray for that. But one of the things that the Lord had me write a week ago was um, you have a choice right now to allow tough seasons to make you strong and resilient or Mm. to make you bitter and resentful. Mm. So you have a choice. Like you can allow what you're going through right now um, to make you strong and resilient. You'll come out through this. You're going to come out resilient. You're going to come out empowered with the Holy Spirit. Um, Or you can turn bitter and resentful Mm. and hurt because things aren't necessarily going your way or like you're saying, embrace the process or like Pastor Sean Erica said about giving yourself grace. Mm. Um, And it's so important. So if you're just struggling with that, we just, we just declare just God's peace over you. Um, Any kind of depression or anything that you're battling, we just declare God joy. We declare Mm. minds renewed right now. Some people may be having a difficult time during this quarantine. They feel like everything's lost. I lost my business. I lost money, my, my marriage. I can't, I can barely stand my spouse. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'm being a good enough mother or a good enough father. Lord, we just declare your supernatural grace hit their house like a wave, God. And I just thank you for healing in the mind, in the body, in in emotionally, whatever they need. And I thank you, Jesus, that for your perfect peace that surpasses our own understanding, your peace that surpasses a relationship status, your peace that surpasses um, um, what's in in our bank account, God, your peace that surpasses how we're talked to by, by our boss or anything, God, your peace that surpasses things that don't make sense. I thank you that you shower every household with your peace. Everyone that's watching and everyone that watches later, I pray they 
get get blessed by seeing this lord in jesus name amen, amen. amen. we keep getting um uh comments please part do part two, two part two part two, two. we have more questions so we'll have to see we know you guys have a a, a busy schedule yeah. and we started schools ministry but we, this was just such an honor and a pleasure for us we yeah. just you guys are such a blessing to us yeah we want to encourage you guys listening um, no matter where you're at um man follow follow pastor sean and erica Moore. they're amazing um they have a great ministry they individually have these amazing talents that you should receive from uh, maybe you're looking for something, looking for something to inspire you, looking for something to connect to. Um, they're amazing people to start with. And so we love them. We're so glad that they're a part of our lives and we can't wait to do more of these. Yeah. yeah listen, it would be our great honor to do this with you guys again. Uh, we just think you guys are a power couple. Uh, we have a tremendous respect uh, for you. Uh, I love what my wife is getting, uh, just, oh. just as being a part of the School of Ministry there uh, at CFTN. And uh, I, I'm getting the residue. I'm getting the <laughs> soon. Hey, look, when she comes home, I'm like, baby, lay hands on me. No, he does. Literally, like, yeah. especially before quarantine. And I would walk in the door, and he'd be like, all right, now prophesy. Now prophesy. Like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, listen, I love it. We can sit and listen to you guys talk all day long. So being able to be on the conversation with you guys is a tremendous blessing. Uh -huh. uh, we have tremendous respect for you guys, not only as ministers, too. Uh, but just see the love you have for each other in your marriage and then just the job you guys have done just raising your kids. It's just, we, we got tremendous respect for you both. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, everybody That's needs to follow you too. Yeah. Follow Joey and Judy Fulinas. Oh. Thank you. We love you guys. Feeling yep. is mutual. Guys too. We love you guys. Thank you guys have a great afternoon. Yeah. And I know those kids are dying to see you. So <laughs> love you guys. Hey, Facebook family, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you we'll guys. let you know when part two is. God bless you. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.